0: The following message is a teaching by Dr. Jason DeRoshi, Professor of Old Testament and Biblical Theology at Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find more information about Jason at www.jasonderoshi.com. You look beautiful. Look at your guy. He cleaned up well too. <laughs> Thank you. Now why just just turn your heads and look out there at all those people? They are thrilled to be here today on your behalf and now I just want you to ponder that you have a God who is celebrating today. Celebrating because he is at work readying to put himself and his love for his bride on display through one more home. You have given me a very satisfying task of sharing a brief That's what they've told me to do. A brief message. (laughs) It comes from Psalm 45, which is the only psalm titled a love song. He begins, the psalmist, My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. This song is a pleasing word. Because it's a good thing to talk about the beauty and the duty of marriage. But it's not only a pleasing theme, this love song that the psalmist engages in, not only pleasing because of that, but because what is depicted in this psalm is nothing less than the relationship of Christ and his church. I say this because the book of Hebrews in chapter 1 cites verses 6 and 7 of Psalm 45 and identifies that the king in this psalm is the son of the living God, the one we call Jesus. And if the king is Jesus, that means the bride, the queen, that is celebrated in this psalm is nothing less than the church. So what Psalm 45 does is provides for couples like you a picture of who you are to be in light of the most ultimate relationship. As Paul would say in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So I want to walk through two parts of this psalm from two different perspectives. On the one hand, celebrating the portrait of Christ and his bride, and then considering how this psalm is a model For your marriage. The psalmist offers two calls with commentary, and we're just going to focus on the charges the charge to the king and the charge to the queen. The charge to the king is this provide and protect, the charge to the queen is cleave and respect. The psalmist was living in a very dark world, the same world that we are, and yet it was a world that Jesus had not entered yet. And yet, he looked ahead, anticipating the king of kings becoming man, and declared to him, Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty, in your majesty, ride out victoriously. So the call here is twofold. For the king, he is to prepare and prevail. Christ is here portrayed as a warrior who needs to enter into battle. He needs to ready himself with his armor and then engage. And the very next verse gives caution to all enemies because it tells us that this king's arrows are sharp. They pierce into the heart and all of his enemies will fall. Now, what this also implies is that not everyone in Christ's world is on his side. There are those whom he will defeat, and defeat them he will. The king goes forth, it says, in splendor and majesty. Now, these are words in the Psalms that are used to describe God himself. So God has bestowed on this king splendor. And majesty. In a very real sense, Christ was the ultimate imager of God, resembling, reflecting, representing God on earth. So to see the king in his beauty was to see God himself. And what it tells us is that Jesus enters in, comes to earth to provide and to protect. To provide, it says, He came to ride for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. And to protect, it says, he would overcome all enemies that would threaten his kingdom. So there's both great hope in this text and a very significant call. Let's consider each. First, the hope. Now, since Adam and Eve, every human marriage on this planet has been between two sinners. It's sinners that say, I do. Sinners who desperately need all that Jesus alone supplies. The two of you, along with everyone in this room, is conceived with a disposition toward three things. One, falsehood. Two, pride. And three, disorder. Falsehood, pride, disorder The very opposite of what Jesus, it says, came to war for. He came for the pursuit of truth, meekness, and righteousness. And because all of us in this room and on this planet, when left to ourselves, have a disposition toward falsehood, toward pride, and toward disorder, it means that we are, from conception, enemies of the living God. And yet... In the midst of our brokenness, while we were still sinners, God sent his son to redeem people like you and me. To help marriages like the one that you are entering into today. To help overcome every falsehood, every bit of arrogance, and every evidence of disorder in our hearts. Jesus embodied the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus took the very form of a servant, being made in the likeness of humanity. He humbled himself, the ultimate act of meekness, becoming obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross, in order that he might save sinners like you and me and help marriages like yours. God counted all of our sins to Christ, and he bore the wrath that we deserved And not only that, God took all of Jesus' righteousness and counts it in our stead. And in justifying us by his blood, what does he allow us to do? To be saved from his wrath. Now you stand here today, Brandon and Bethany, as those who have surrendered to the King of Kings. And therefore, the joy of today is that you two stand here not as his enemies, but as his friends. You're still in deep need of Jesus. Oh, so much need. Neither of you are going to be perfect spouses. But the hope of this text is that the one who is perfectly worth tr- worked truth and meekness and righteousness has come in order that the God of heaven, the God of earth, could be 100% for you and for this marriage. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you were trusting in Jesus alone, as your Lord, as your Savior, as your treasure, then you enter into this marriage today able to rest in a God who has worked amazingly for you in Christ. He has reconciled you with God. He's purchased all that you need for life for godliness, and he has decisively defeated the very one who would want to destroy this marriage. You have hope today. And what that hope does is it creates a very significant call. So you can rest right now. I'm going to turn and talk to your man. Brandon, in the way that human human marriage supplies a picture of the ultimate marriage between Christ and his church, you, like Jesus, bear the principal responsibility in this home of providing and of protecting. By God's grace, he has given you great help. This girl is filled with wisdom and strength. And it is going to be your responsibility to utilize all of those gifts, to harness all of that grace and wisdom. Because it's a gift to this home in order to keep it steady and to help it go in the right way. And yet before the Lord, it is you that bear the primary responsibility of leading the fight for truth, for meekness, and for righteousness. And it's you who bear the primary responsibility to ward off evil, As it seeks to enter this home. The devil is the father of lies. Brandon. And he's going to do all that he can. To tempt you into secret sins. He's going to tempt you. To be a man who does not tell the whole truth. To his girl. And you need to fight against that. When the rays of truth. Shine in your home. Through your life and through your words. This garden. Called Bethany. Is going to blossom and flourish. And be beautiful. But insofar as deceit, that is darkness, reigns in your home through your actions and through your words, then your garden's going to wilt. So I urge you, work and war for truth. Guarding your eyes, guarding your heart, guarding your lips. But not only for truth. Like Jesus, war for meekness and righteousness. Biblical meekness is not about timidity. It's not about beating down yourself. Rather, true biblical meekness is about a humility that magnifies the greatness of God and your neediness for Jesus. It's about God dependence rather than self reliance. It's about submission to Christ as your Lord. You're not a king, you're a servant. Meekness naturally fits alongside of righteousness because righteousness is about right order in God's world where he's at the top and you're not. Righteousness is about right order in God's world where you are valuing his image in others, especially his image in your bride. So when tensions rise in your marriage, Brandon, you're going to be tempted to elevate yourself Allow your disposition and your words to put your wife down. It's not the life God's called you to live. You're going to be tempted to self-reliance rather than God-dependence. And what I urge you to today is to seek to let your speech always be gracious. Seek to let your words work for good and not harm. Be quick to serve Bethany, to humble yourself before her. Be quick to forgive and quick to ask forgiveness. And by all means, be quick to pray because you need God's help for this home to honor him. Jesus came to see truth, meekness, and righteousness characterize your marriage. So as you lead lead your home in these ways, Christ is going to be honored. He's going to be put on display and you'll fulfill your God-given role as husband. Now you can rest and I'll turn to your girl. Okay, this psalm does not only speak to the king. Next to the king, it says, at his right hand stands the queen in gold. She is radiant and she is beautiful. The psalmist charges her, hear, O daughter, and consider, incline your ear, forget your people in your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow to him. Now, this psalm, at the first level, is written in relation to Christ and his church. Christ saved the church from God's wrath and enslavement. And the church's right response is to turn from all allegiances to the world and to place its highest allegiance on Christ to serve the Lord, to submit to Jesus, to follow Jesus and to worship him. Now in the same way that Christ set his heart on his bride and in the same way that the bride then submits and follows Christ, so too you, Bethany, are called to cleave to and respect your man. This day you are not called to diminish your love and your care for your grandparents, for your mom and dad, for Ben and Maddie. But what is happening today is that your principal loyalties are switching from them to Brandon. God is creating something, a one flesh bond. You are becoming one. And when your father walked you down the aisle, looking dapper I would say, And he passed you off to Brandon. There was something symbolic happening. Because today, your dad is no longer going to be your primary provider and protector. He has passed that role on to Brandon. And as Brandon serves you in this way, your responsibility is to return in serving him by loving him and by building him up in private and in public, by submitting to him in trust as he submits to the Lord. Paul's words for this helper role is respect. He says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. So insofar as you allow your heart to treasure and revere your man, insofar as you use your skills and your words and your wisdom and your life to build him up and to nurture this one flesh bond then what the text says is the king your king will desire your beauty so Brandon and Bethany the Lord's doing a miracle today right now he is in the process of doing something humanly impossible taking to and making them one. This is his business. And what God is bringing together, may no man put asunder. Brandon, the Lord is calling you to provide and protect. Bethany, he is calling you to cleave and to respect. You're both sinners, but you have a wonderful Savior. And God is calling you to put on display the love between Christ and his church. So rest with joy today, knowing that the king of the universe is on your side. He's for you, not against you. He has worked for the cause of truth, of meekness, and of righteousness in your lives and in your marriage. So may this one bless your home. May he give you great joy and peace, perseverance, and God-dependence for his glory and for your good. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the ministry of Dr. Jason Deroshi, professor of Old Testament and Biblical Theology at Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Jason Deroshi. For more information on Bethlehem College and Seminary, we invite you to visit online at www.bcsmn.edu. For more information on Dr. Daroshi, visit online at www.jasonderoshi.com. Proclaiming the kingdom and treasuring a God who reigns, saves, and satisfies through covenant for His glory in Christ.